The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. Well, this is the weekend, of course, that Wimbledon comes to a close and any time there is televised sport, there are people who become more interested in that sport and there are little kids who say, I hope when I grow up I can be like them. Well, with us is Chanel Dunn, who is president of Donnybrook Lawn Tennis Club and a Leinster Tennis member and immersed in all things tennis. And Chanel, to some extent, is there a, an assumption that if the sport we're looking at is the Euros or the World Cups, that kids can go out, they get a football, bang, there you go. Jumpers for a goalpost, you're playing football. But if you want to get into tennis, it's going to cost you a fortune. Well, that's quite a question to start with. But firstly, thank you very much for inviting me on. And we're always uh, delighted to talk about our sport, both within the club and outside it. Um, In terms of, is it very expensive? Not not at an entry level, no. Anybody can pick up a racket anywhere and play. We have plenty of beautiful parks with tennis courts a plenty for people to get out there and I think particularly around this time of the year a lot of um, people dust down those old wooden rackets that we're all familiar with from the John McEnroe days and get out there and they practice their speech that they themselves are going to win Wimbledon but it is obviously a sport that goes on all year round I, I think your question is good though but when it gets to the next level if you really want to go down that road of becoming a professional and maybe that's something we'll talk about a little bit later it is expensive <clears throat> it's about €100,000 a year for somebody to go on tour. I thought you were going to say it was about 100,000 investment to become a pro. It's 100,000 a year. A year. A year. So you need to get a lot of backing um, to be able to do something like that. So And there's sort of main hubs and like there's places particularly in Florida where you get you hothouse kids with high potential. Isn't that how it works? Well, there's a quite a number of those. Um, there's the Boletary School would have been the one that was famous probably in the 80s and 90s and uh, you know, that was very expensive um, for anyone to go. And of course, there's no guarantees with that because the standards are so high and it's not necessarily always about money. It's about having the right structures in place. It's about getting the right um, positivity, both club level, you know, your parents, your schooling, what happens next in terms of support. And then it's a big risk if you get injured then as well, what happens and can you tell, and how early can you tell, there's a kid with real potential? Well, I couldn't tell because I'm not a, not a coach, but I think if you're a lover of, of tennis, I mean, I, you'll certainly see the eye-hand coordination from as young as five, six. You can, you can see that on a court. Now, tennis is different nowadays. Um, when I would have started playing tennis, uh, probably 45 years ago, to give you an idea how old I am, but we all played with the green ball or the yellow ball that we're all familiar with from, from Wimbledon. Nowadays, the kids start off with a red ball. It's kind of bigger, it's lighter um, in terms of um, them being able to start off. And it helps them so they don't get so frustrated. And then they move on to orange ball and then they move on to green ball. And then they finally come to um, yellow ball at around 10. And it just gives them a chance to kind of build up their skill set. Because the larger ball is more controllable? Is that yeah, it? exactly. And it's softer and it's kind of different lower nets and things like that. So it's not as frustrating as it would have been when I started off. So if I'm a parent looking at the kids thinking, right, I'm going to make a small fortune to turn you into a tennis prodigy and retire early. If they've sort of made it to eight or nine, the ship has sailed. They're over the hill. Well, it, 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 maybe not if they're going to have a sport for life. I think they're only starting off. But certainly, um, I, you know, if you were really to get down and dirty about it in terms of potentially uh, playing at a very senior level, if you look at people like Coco Goff, who debuted at, you know, 12, 13, 14, playing in, in the likes of Wimbledon, it's a huge investment from a very, very early age. So y- you really need to put your money where your mouth is, but also in terms of having that passion and belief in your own child. And it, it, there's a lot to take into account if you're really going to go down that route. There's but also, I assume, a difficult balance for the parents because in, in the one hand, you want to foster any potential that the child has. In the other, you don't want to overwhelm 
overwhelm and hothouse a kid by forcing them to do something that takes up a huge amount of time and effort. I suppose it under, underneath it all, the child themselves has to really love the game because it is hard um, to, to win. It, a lot of tennis, it tends to be mental. You learn the skill set very young, but then you hear of people and they get to the final and, and then it all goes pear-shaped, nerves, etc., etc. Um, I think, though, certainly, you know, in, in, in relation to trying to just keep that momentum, you know, I was watching actually a match where I think uh, Serena Williams lost in the first round in Wimbledon and they were talking about every player going through dips and that happens, you lose concentration and it's very difficult, particularly with these big long matches to keep going, keep going. But that's where the training and the resilience and over and the repetition over and over and in comes in. But you really have to love the game. People like Agassi often talk about the fact that they really hated tennis, but they loved winning. You know, uh, McEnroe said the same. He actually wasn't particularly that interested in tennis. Um, he loved basketball. Uh, he loved playing for his country. But the game of tennis in- itself, he wasn't a huge lover of it, believe it or not. That's hard yards having to be that committed to something that you don't have a love for, isn't it? Well, absolutely. But I, I don't really think that happens nowadays. I think um, anyone that you see out there and the likes of, of Andy Murray and Serena and even Rafa Nadal, they don't do it for the money. They do it for the love of, of the game and, and they're still going in their 30s and competing at such a high level. How good are we nationally and how much support do we put into the development of tennis players nationally? I think it goes without saying there, there have been issues within Tennis Ireland in terms of structures and boards and things like that. But I, I think that happens in every sport. Um, I think fundamentally, you know, change is always a good thing and that's taking place at the moment um, in terms of just getting the right people in at the right place at the right time. Me, myself, I'm very excited about this new centre of excellence that's been uh, developed in connection with UCD that was reported in the papers. And that's been backed by a guy called Billy Dempsey, who's uh, you might be aware of. He bought the Davy Burns pubs and he's one of the type of people that we really want in our sport in the sense that they're passionate about it. They'll put a bit of money into it. Um, He backs a girl called Georgia Drummy, who's one of the top players in the country. Her, her actually her um, father coaches in our club in Donnybrook and he's super and the passion for the tennis comes from her family as well but Billy is involved in that project um, and I think what it is is effectively allowing children or, or students I suppose who want to progress in a career in, in tennis uh, where they can study in Ireland in a university in Ireland and have their tennis programme planned out alongside it. Whereas oh, at so the, the moment, two dovetail in a way that's absolutely, manageable. That's huge. We haven't ever had that before. And it, traditionally you'd hear of children who are going out playing the junior tour in Ireland at the moment trying to build points and they're trying to get scholarships over to the States and they go to college over there and they play and then they go on and maybe play on the tour then after that. Um, but to have something in Ireland would be absolutely brilliant and I think that is actually going to be the singular thing that will change uh, in terms of hope, hopefully we'll get somebody who'll play at the top level and more and more and more of them. We talked about kids getting involved. Do you get people who are fully grown adults who have never held a racket in their life saying, feck it, I'll give it a shot? You can start at any age. I mean, the in, the membership in our club in Donnybrook ranges from five and I think our oldest actively playing member is, I think, 88 or 89. Actively playing at 88. Actively playing and, play. and, and still as competitive as ever. At 88? At 88, absolutely. The, 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 the style of shot might be slightly different, but still a competitor. So it's, it's one of those games you have for life. That's why it's so popular. If people do want to get involved in the sport, is there any particular direction you would point them in? 
oh, join a club. Most tennis clubs, there's 108 of them around the country. Um, most clubs are, believe it or not, not expensive to, to join at all and a couple of hundred euro and they really do give you a lot of value for money. And they won't look down their nose at you and say, who is this naive with their wooden racket? Not at all. They'd be delighted, you know, and actually COVID from that point of view was great for, for many tennis clubs. A lot of them have waiting lists now just because everyone said, great, we'll get out and get playing in a sport that isn't contact so we can we can kind of get stuck in and now the trick is to try and keep them there but um, it's I think it, that was this was the benefit to such an awful thing happening that it's a lot of the clubs are full now but that's what I would absolutely start. And also amazing for fitness I assume. It is great for fitness um, and it's um, you know I've been playing a long time I, I love it I have, I've always loved it and uh, you know the people that I work with in our club because most of us are volunteers um, what really drives us to give back to our clubs this is throughout Ireland it's just that passion for tennis and at all levels whether it's senior or junior or whether it's competitive or whether it's social and it's keeping that balance going Can I give you a statistic you might like? I bet you I'll know it Okay, but Go on tell me anyway What happens to the majority of tennis balls? Ooh Well we get ours recycled and we give them to charity believe it or not What's the use let me phrase it differently what's the use for the majority of tennis balls? That's a trick question Tell me anyway Dogs Dogs. More tennis balls go to dogs than go to tennis. And actually, that's very bad for dogs. I was told by a vet. Is it? Never, never to give your tennis ball to oh a dog. Yes. This is like don't give them bones. This yeah. sucks all the joy No, it's everything. because of the felt in them and the rubber. Whoever got injured from felt? Well, I'm just telling you what the vet said. <laughs> <laughs> Probably best to listen to Chanel on this now, Can I give you an interesting oh, statistic? Oh, yeah, please. Go on, Rosie, do you know this one? How many strawberries are sold weight-wise in Wimbledon every year? Kilos of strawberries at Wimbledon. I'm going to say 200. No, 50,000 50, tonnes. 50,000 tonnes? No, no, not 50,000 strawberries, I think. You asked by weight. You know, I'm just trying to confuse the issue because succeeded. now I've forgotten the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Chanel Dunn, president of Donnybrook Lawn Tennis Club, an expert in the area of strawberry sales and export. <laughs> Chanel, thank you very much. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at 9 on News Talk.